I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Fanzine.live podcast. This is Rebel Yell. Are you ready? And now, Gage Master, Nature's Health Box, and MK Windows proudly presents Rebel Yell. Dot Live in your house. Lockdown. A very warm welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to RebelYell.live in your house, locked out. I'm James, the very hairy beard Eastern, alongside the voice himself, Pete Vale. How are you, Pete? I'm all right, mate, and it's called Locked In today, not Locked Out. Locked In, yeah, it could be Locked In, Locked Out, Locked In, Locked Out, you know. It's the Wasp Whip, I guess. He joined us while I've been preparing. Is he done, though? Is he still doing his course no. work? So, the Pattern will be, uh, after he's done his coursework, being a good boy, he'll be with us later. Um, we've got the mighty fine kit man himself, Stu Evans. How are you, Stu? Yeah, lovely, mate. Thanks. Yeah, you like that intro, don't you? You think we're still kids doing uh, everything? Not in the slightest, mate. You not love it, slightest. really, don't you? Um, and how uh, about the Silver Fox himself, Spencer <laughs> Webb? How are you? <laughs> all cool, cheers, mate. All good, all good. Good to hear from you again, mate. And also today we've got the enforcer Sam Virgo. Is he there? Indeed, I'm. I'm back. I'm here as always. Um, I said to you last time. I can't believe it's been two weeks since the last one. Same again. It's just time's know, flying by time for me. Going, where's the time going, mate? In it, you know. But today we've got our special guest referees in the room. We've got the unit himself, Aaron Racine. Aaron, how are you? I'm good, thanks, mate. How are you? 
Yeah, I'm all good, mate. Good to hear from you. Good to hear your voice again and see your lovely face on the webcam we've got on uh, on the computer, which no one else has seen. We're, we're all lucky to that today. And also, yeah. Reese Speed Meekums himself. How are you, Reese? Yeah, not too bad. Thank you. Not too bad. Yeah. It's good we managed to finally get this sorted out for you. I know you had a bit of problems setting up the Skype account, but you've done better than some of your teammates, I can say that. So, uh, not saying anything, Ollie Pierce. Um, <laughs> you know. <laughs> So, chaps, how um how have we been these last two weeks? As Sam said, it's been a it's been a very quick couple of weeks since we were last on the podcast. Um, what what have you been up to? Go on, Reese, take the reins. Um, not a lot, not a lot. Been um trying to keep fit with doing some running and doing some home workouts and that. Uh, been working a few nights, and uh, other than that, just a lot of PS4 really. What are you playing on the PS4? Uh, pro clubs with the boys on FIFA and uh, a little bit of Call of Duty as well. Other than that, just um, yeah, just them two games, really. Nice, nice. I am um, unfortunately last time you were with me, I was flying high with Worthing on Football Manager. I've just just been sacked on the last last couple of <laughs> couple of games. So George there you go. Enough with you. <laughs> in 2032, I got sacked. So there you go. Their loss. Their loss. 2032. Oh my god. Yeah. That is a lot of hours. It was like 188 hours in the end. Got up to the championship, lost in playoff final twice, um, and then they had enough for me. So there you go. But um, but Reese Meekums was the all-time top scorer in the end. So there you go. You can tell that's, 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 that's no surprise. That is no surprise. <laughs> <laughs> you can tell that's a computer game. <laughs> oh, there we go. You just wait till the season, Steve. Don't worry. Yeah, can't wait to see you play football. I'm still sort of working a little bit with um, a couple of jobs that I've got and just like the house chores, really. Loads of painting, gardening, all the fun stuff. That's it, really. So you haven't been queuing outside being queuing Worthing or anything like that? No, just kicking collect on wicks. <laughs> Getting the house on the like everyone else is. I think um, the queues out, I've seen queues in the press and everything like that. They've been queuing outside all of the garden centres. I think in Scotland they had a three-hour queue outside B&Q last weekend, which is crazy. Yeah. So anyway, guys, so today um, we've got an action-packed show. Obviously, Aaron and Reese will we'll, um, see in a minute what you've been up to. We're, we're going to be chatting to Ollie Bayliss, who's a BBC uh, non-league reporter. Especially, you'll see him breaking a lot of news on the uh, non-league circuit on Twitter. Um, we're also going to speak to Barry Hunter, our chairman, who's going to have an update of what's going on, sort of future of the club. No, nothing to be worried about in the future in that term, but just like what they're planning to press ahead with um, in the ground, sort of improvements, fundraising and stuff. Um, we have an exclusive first interview with uh, Dean Hammond, who um, is probably the only player to ever can claim that he's unbeaten whilst being a Worthing player, don't you think, guys? <laughs> he's quite unbeaten right now. Um, and then we'll be speaking to our manager, um, Hinch, who will join us if he can get the Skype working. So, um, Aaron and Reese, like, what we haven't really chatted before uh, about uh, since the season's been null and voided. What were your first thoughts? We'll take this away, as. Yeah, go on then. Um, <laughs> the, I did kind of expect it, really, but it's hard. It's, it's a hard decision for them to make, in my opinion, even though it is gutting for us. And then if every other team that is in sort of a winning position, um, I did kind of expect it to be or finish as it was. Um, but like I said, it's just gutting, really, because we, we 
wouldn't say one point. Obviously, we were top by seven points and on some good form. And it probably probably was going to be our year to sort of get promoted or has been our best year since, well, since I've been at the club. So, yeah, I think it is, it is going, but I did sort of expect that result anyway. It's not been uh, the most ideal. I mean, I, I said to a couple of guys in the group uh, this week on WhatsApp and uh, I drove past Woodside Rose last weekend and it was really, really eerie to think at that time if we'd been winning the league, we probably still would have been in that bar with you guys celebrating probably a few heavy heads on the Sunday morning. But it just felt really weird, really, really weird. That um, I mean, even more so, it sort of put it into light. Um, Reese, what about yourself, mate? Yeah, I'm the same as Az. I think once they um, started calling off the games and... And stuff like that, it felt like it was only going to go one way. But it's just disappointing because obviously all the hard work that you put in in pre-season and then implementing it during the season and doing as well as we was. It's just, um, yeah, gutting for it to end like it did. I mean, I, I think, you know, we, we've sort of said we're going to mention it. Um, you know, the, the EFL and the Premier League still seem adamant they're going to restart. This week, uh, the French Football League have cancelled the league, but they've also awarded championships and relegated sides, which one side's already suing. Um, I mean, what, what, are your, what are your views on that? Like, chaps, what do you all think about that? I mean, I think relegation should not be taken into consideration, do you? FIFA, you ain't got any bodies. They should have all got together before this happened, worked from the bottom up and just made it the same for everyone. And we've said it before, one rule for all was something that George hashtagged on his um, Twitter when the decision came out. And at the moment, it's all over the place. They, they still haven't haven't really sorted it out. There's a lot of stuff to be said, though. Obviously, the, the bigger leagues and the money involved and there's a lot of stuff, I think, is every league a bit different or every sort of other league. Um, talking about the Premiership now, getting back into it, but doing testings before every match. And that's not obviously viable on our level, is it? So, and things like that. Um, so, they can sort of make that sort of stuff work. Um, whereas, obviously, we can't afford clubs at our level to be forking out the tests for every single player for every single game etc whatever it's got to, whatever it's got to happen to make it work so it is a, it's a bit different in that sense but I mean, you yeah, also see about the um, tests that they're taking them away from the NHS. You know, they're saying it's 60, I think just for the EFL itself, 66,000 weekly tests would be needed if they needed to do the games behind closed doors. And me, myself personally, is that, should we be taking them away for the NHS just for money? Because we've now got to look at the fact that this isn't, it's not just a game. It's We're talking about the money now. That's the only reason they're still putting this on. They're doing what? They're taking the tests away from the NHS? Well, think about it. The NHS are, NHS are finding it hard to source these NHS tests for coronavirus. And if the Premier League and EFL are taking all these tests for away from more important things, I don't really think they should be even considering that. I mean, if if that is true, yeah, I'd agree. That is obviously... Because let's, let's be honest, the, the reason why the Premier are trying to make things work and the Championship is obviously all, it's all just down to money, isn't it? It's all about clubs losing money and investments and etc. So people are trying to make that happen, I think, for money reasons. And then if that is true, if they are doing that, and it is, if they are getting these tests in, it is as, as a not going to affect the NHS and their sort of equipment. And yeah, that's it's not morally right, is it? 
No, I think it's a tough one for the for the players' families as well. You know, I'm sure that there's vulnerable players with like diabetes and such like that might have to go out and potentially play against their will. Um, but as you said, Aaron, money does talk at, at that level. Um, hopefully, the government might step in and say, "Look, that's the end of the league," like they've done in in Holland, like they've done in other countries, just to get it get it all finished because. We're probably not going to resume football until sort of January 2021, in my opinion. I mean, we look at it. And, um, well, in, in general, I think. I think especially for non-league, mm-hmm. I think it's going to take a lot, a lot more um, working out until we until we manage to play football again. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. On the testing, I've, I've not done the maths, but they're talking three or 400 people needed to hold a match. And if you think of 11 matches per round of games in the Premier League, times for how many games left, not done the maths, that's a lot of time. And like James says, it's taken them away from where they really needed. Yeah, I mean, obviously, Spence and Sam, Premier League clubs, I mean, you support as well as Worthing, West Ham and Chelsea in itself. And I look at the fact that with me and Pete being Championship Club supporters with Forrest, for Pete, he was at one end of the table pushing for those playoff spots to get to Premier League and Charlton the last game of the season they went into the relegation zone so you know each each side is you know obviously it's good for me but gutting for Pete um, but then you know I had the Worthing side to like look for and to you guys lifting mm-hmm. that trophy and mm-hmm. you know it's just awful I mean uh, Stu what do you think about these testing things do you think they should be you know, taking these tests away from the NHS and using it for football or do you think as you said before just null and void it uh, <laughs> um Mate, if they are, then clearly not. No, I mean, if they should be taking any tests that are, are needed away from the NHS or, or beyond. Um, uh, on the flip side, mate, the yeah, as, as I said, money money talks. Um, and uh, if we can get some positive on the uh, the way I'm looking at it, the positivity uh, football bring back into the community in terms of having games live on TV that we can watch but actually do a hell of a lot of good for the mental state of the UK nonetheless anyway um, so hmm. in reality no if there's tests available but by the looks of things there's there's plenty of tests about and um, they're hitting targets and, and they want to kind of rocket that up so as long as they, they're not taking it from the NHS then I'm all for it to be honest yeah no, no I see what you mean Yeah, there does need to be a morale boost because I think everyone is getting cabin fever now um, and getting a bit, a bit fed up, and we do need some sport. I think Sky Sports today were doing a football manager round of fixtures. I don't know if you saw that on their live blog, and actually Charlton were beating Leeds United, which uh, so Leeds were falling apart again, which was good to see. <laughs> I will definitely not be grumbling about uh, Super Sundays when it's like Burnley versus whoever <laughs> at half yeah. four. I'll, I'll be watching every minute of every game once football is back. I think that's the bigger picture there that everybody's got to remember. It's in terms of what football would do for the community, to the to the mood of the nation, form, from the, the husband and wife. The wife isn't interested in football, but the husband is, and he gets to go away and chill out and have his own time. And, and, and do you know what I mean? Just to kind of, she'll get she'll get a relaxing hour and a half or whatever, and, and there'll be a better mood in the household. It would just lift everybody and just show some, some kind of... I don't know, uh, positivity and um, bring back some of the old kind of feelings we used to have on a Saturday and a Sunday. So I'm, I'm, I'm all for it. And the sooner it happens, the better from my point of view, obviously in a safe and, and, and safe and a safe way. So. Will we still be moaning about a Tuesday night visit to Brightling, see? 
when it comes back. No, uh, not at all. <laughs> can't wait. For yeah. you. I hope it no matter well. what happens, no matter what happens, I will always be moaning about a Tuesday night away at Brighton. See, <laughs> <laughs> this you can love, continue you love five or ten years. <laughs> no, really can't. <laughs> fantastic chats well thanks uh, it's good to have you all with us um, we're going to play a little song and then I've got a fantastic interview to play out with Pete did with uh, Ollie during the week so give us about half an hour chaps go and get, Aaron go and refill that lovely looking cup of coffee that you got and um, go and get we'll something to eat you could get something to eat yeah yeah, yeah. cheers chaps I'll speak to you in a bit lovely Yes, that was uh, Fozzy with Judas here on Live in your house. Locked out or locked in, as Pete says. Um, that was uh, Chris Jericho's theme tune in the new AEW, which is available to watch on ITV on Fridays or on demand. Um, there's a listener right now called Le Champagne. Should we call him Le Champion for a little bit of the bubbly? As, uh, Sam, you'd know what I'm talking about, wouldn't you? I, may, I know Pete's, uh, um, Pete probably is looking at me right now going, what the hell are you talking about? Yeah. It's well worth yeah, watching yeah. if you get a chance to be on the iPlayer as well. Um, get to see some some of the antics. Yeah, it is great. Um, but what we're going to do now is, um, Pete, um, tell us about what you, what you recorded yesterday, pre-recorded with uh, a certain uh, Ollie Bayliss from the BBC. Yeah, for those people who don't know, Ollie Bayliss is a BBC jur- uh, journalist. Um, now, obviously, he tweets he tweets a lot about what's going on in non-league, and he's. Uh, you know, very passionate about it um, and basically keeps everyone up to date with what's going on and sometimes gives some inside scoops. Now, obviously, we know what has happened with our league and everything. And obviously, it's a conversation we keep coming to. We've just spoke with Aaron and um, Reese Meekums about it. Um, so obviously, it's a subject that's not going away with, with what's happened to our league. Um, so basically, you've done a, an interview with him yesterday, which you're about to hear. Um, uh, where he, he shares his thoughts with me. Um, and he's got some very interesting points, really, especially when I sort of mentioned, you know, would it have been a case of suspending the season and restarting it again? So I think James now is as good a time as any to let the listeners listen. Fantastic. Just make sure, guys, you are sharing this. We want to try and break our records today. We, we had about 100 a cup, uh, about two broadcasts ago. We'd love to break that. So please tell everyone to listen. Get yourself a cup of tea. We've got a little bit of a lengthy interview here, but a very fascinating interview and an insight into Ollie ba- Bailey. So we'll be with you back again uh, in a little bit. And Pete, thanks for doing this. No problem. First of all, for, for our listeners, could you can you tell us what your actual job is? Yeah. Um, <laughs> so... I'm Ollie Bayliss and I'm a journalist within the BBC, within BBC Local Radio. So I work at BBC Three Counties Radio with a local radio station for Beds, Hearts and Bucks. And within that, I do a show about non-league football. I do some football commentary here and there as well. And I'm a passionate supporter of non-league football. So I always like to celebrate and keep an interest in non-league football wherever I can. Excellent. So when this is all over, you'll have to come down to Irving and do a co-commentary with me then. Oh, it'd be my pleasure. Love to. <laughs> yeah, that'd be that'd be good. That'd definitely be good fun. Like I say, we've had the expunging of steps three to seven. Now, uh, 
with the National League, it seems that there's a lot more consultation going on between the clubs than there was between steps three and seven. Um, what are your thoughts on that at the moment? Yeah, the contrast is is massive, isn't it? From what we know about the, the expunging of the league, so making all the divisions null and void from step three down, the the guys that run the league, so the Northern Premier League, the, the Southern Premier League and the Eastern Premier League were... We're basically told on the Friday by the FA, we need to make a decision on the Monday, come back, have the weekend, think about it, come back and make a decision. And then by that Thursday, the full process, had, we've gone through, through the full process and, and they decided to null and void everything. So that it took about six days, I think. And there was there was some there was some casual consul- consultation with some of the clubs lower down, some of the sort of step five, step six leagues consulted with some clubs and sent out a survey, but nothing official. Um it would have been difficult. There's, there's well over a thousand clubs at that level, so you, you couldn't necessarily have offered a direct vote with every club. But it was done very, very quickly. And I think hearing some of the thoughts now of of the chairman of the Northern Premier League, who said that they felt like they perhaps slightly rushed into a decision. It was made very, very, very quickly to not only end the season, which I think was helpful in that it gave clubs some certainty. I think the null and void decision did seem to happen very quickly um, compared to the National League, where they're still consulting where we've had a second phase of consultation now with all the National League clubs. So the first one was to offer clubs a vote and they had 28 days to respond to the vote to end the season. The next consultation, which is the one that's finished yeah, finished yesterday on, on Friday, was whether or not the playoffs could feasibly take place. And then we expect another consultation again with clubs about perhaps how to end the season, whether to decide it on points per game or on current positions or whether to make the season null and void. And it seems like a complete contrast that the National League uh, are almost going step by step, consulting everybody. And at the moment, trying to not make any firm decisions one way or another. Whereas further down the pyramid, the decision was made very, very quickly in, in a couple of days and clubs weren't really spoken to. And I think probably the best route is probably somewhere in the middle. You know, we, we appoint people to run leagues to, to make decisions. People are elected into league committees to make decisions and, and perhaps actually consulting every club and doing a direct vote isn't necessarily the best way forward. You know, if you asked every team in, in League Two, should we end the season now? We won't relegate anybody, but we'll promote the top 10. The chances are most clubs would vote for that. Whereas if you said, you know what, should we end the season now? We'll relegate 20 of you and we won't promote anybody. Will you vote for that? Of course, no one would vote for that. You know, and that's an extreme example, but clubs are going to vote for what's in their best interest. So, actually is a direct consultation the best way forward i don't know but certainly you need to have some conversation with your clubs um and whether or not the decision was a little bit quick uh, step three and below i think it probably was yeah i would totally agree with you there and like you say cons- consulting the clubs um obviously you know with regards to uh promotion relegation etc i think there's also you know a scenario like you've you've touched on um the fact that depending on your position in the league is going to have a big effect on on how you sort of consider the, the way you should be, should go forward. Like if you if you're bottom of the table and adrift, you're going to say right, I you know expunge the season. Whereas a club at the top is going to go well, points per game is fairer to us. So you know, and the, the fact that nobody's been rewarded for the efforts last season um, is what really grates on me because I you know basically I went and watched 34 friendlies 
um, you know, it's, and it's all meaningless. And I, I just feel that, you know, we've got a lot of uh, Worthing Football Club, we've got a lot of volunteers, a lot of people who put, put a lot of time and effort in uh, to get prepared for match day and everything. And like you say, it's a very quick seven sort of day uh, process. Um, and, you know, I agree with you. I, I feel personally it was worse with, with what the National League are doing. So do you, do you think there's going to be many repercussions about this, do you think? I think we're, in terms of the decision that they've, they've made to null and void, I think we're we're seeing some suggestion of legal action, aren't we, from from clubs like South Shields, who were, were in a pretty similar position to Worthing, really, top of their respective Step 3 division and, and hadn't mathematically sealed promotion, but, but certainly was looking good. I think their their gap was slightly larger than Worthing's, but Worthing's was you know six or seven points, I think, wasn't it? It's yeah, it was seven that, points. Yeah. Clubs that were, were planning for a promotion and, and feeling like they'd almost completed the job on the pitch. So I, I think we're going to see potentially some some legal action led by South Shield. I know they're consulting on it, whether or not the it's possible, and whether or not the courts are going to want to interfere in this process is is another thing. I know the chairman of the Eastman League, Nick Robinson, has said they feel like they're in their rules if all games aren't completed the season is made null and void they feel like that's in their rules and that's the process they've followed i, I yeah, think I, I, sorry ollie on, on, on that point within the rules um and I've, I've read it a few times and i know you posted it on twitter yourself um you know that that seems to be a rule that is for if clubs go out of existence and can't carry on in the league. It's not for sort of this situation where, if you know, um, something, you know, obviously this could not be forecast by any stretch. Um, but it looks like that rule has been, you know, twisted to suit the scenario. Yeah, it's on the interpretation of it, isn't it? And And in these circumstances, there's a lot of rules and leagues i think are choosing whether they want to follow them or not or whether they want to take a different approach that same rule by the looks of it is pretty much reproduced within the national league guidelines as well and they're obviously at the moment looking like they're potentially going down a, a different route they might end up making it all non void as well we don't know but they're, they're certainly open to other ideas and and the national league certainly from the stuff they've been sending out to clubs seems like the rules are there but they can be changed and they can be voted upon if need be so the season's supposed to finish um start of may you know player registration is supposed to expire end of june well both of those could be pushed back and, and wiggled around for the playoffs similarly two teams are supposed to go up for the national league well that could change as well depending on what happens so the rules are there but some leagues are deciding that perhaps they they might need to bend those rules in order to sort out what is a it's a very difficult situation i don't envy any of the the people trying to make the decision within any of the leagues or the fa to be fair yeah, absolutely. absolutely. You know, like you say, nobody could have legislated for this. So sort of going on to next season, because obviously we're hearing rumours about uh, we may not be able to start back up till sort of January. Obviously, it's going to have an adverse effect on a, um, a lot of clubs financially. Um, do you think that the, you know, the lower leagues, non-league football uh, would be able to do like they're sort of suggesting in the Premiership and EFL is going behind closed doors just to get games played uh, without spectators. Do you think that's a, a viable option? I don't think it is. And I think for for a number of reasons, um, in in the Football League and in the Premier League, you, you've got the infrastructure there to televise games. So within the Premier League, you've obviously got all your Sky cameras and BBC cameras. And within the Football League, they, they often televise games for 
for Sky, but they also have the the iFollow service where they've got every game is is filmed and is streamed already live for an international audience on a three o'clock Saturday and, and midweek anybody can watch them. So the infrastructure is sort of already there within the football league to possibly be able to televise games and sell subscription to that to make some money within non-league you haven't got cameras in the same way you haven't got a sort of already purpose-built service to allow fans to pay to watch games so if fans can't pay to watch games at home via streaming and via tv and they can't pay to come into a ground to watch games there's there's no money going into non-league but players you'd expect would still want to be paid maybe if you go far enough down the the pyramid maybe step five step six players might say you know what we we just want to play football and we, you know, we don't want to be paid this season. You could see that, I think, further down yeah. towards the sort of grassroots element of the game. You know, you know, Sunday League, it's reasonable to say it doesn't rely on fans and income. Perhaps players are happy to pay subs and, and play games. So perhaps further down the non-league pyramid, you might get games on. But sort of National League down to step three, step four, the, the lifeblood of all these clubs is, is gate receipts. It's fans spending some money at the bar afterwards, buying a burger and chips at halftime. If you can't do any of that, there's no money coming in. They've still got to pay players. They've got to pay league subscriptions. They've got to pay FA subscriptions. They've got to maintain the the kit and the ground and the grass and pay the referees and all that sort of stuff. So it's very hard to see how they could cover costs behind closed doors, which I think is why we're perhaps assuming that non-league football might not come back until 2021, because at the moment the government are suggesting some form of social distancing until at least that point. And if you've got social distancing, can you have a crowd within non-league football? You could have a few people, maybe safely two metres apart, 50, 100 fans, maybe. But who's going to police that? Who's going to enforce that? It's very difficult. So I think that's why that this January 2021 date is, is being banded around at the moment. And it perhaps is realistic. Yeah. So on, on sort of an aspect, do you, do you, um, I'm still of the feeling that, like we're saying, the decision was rushed to begin with. We don't know what the National uh, League's going to do in the end. As we can't come back till January, wouldn't it be, you know, if that's the case, um, wouldn't it have been better to just put a suspension across all the leagues until we can play? And then, because we might only fit in 10, 10 games or so, you know, so if we want to get back to a normal season in 22, 23. Um, so wouldn't it be better to suspend it and then just come back to it because we might be only be able to squeeze a, a small number of games in next season. You know, do you think, obviously it was difficult at the time with what's been going on to sort of say how long this would last, but it looks like it's going to be something we're going to be living with, you know, for quite a while. So, you know, would that have been a better option? There's certainly an argument for it. I think the issue with it is, is the competitiveness of it. So if you're, if you're saying we're going to freeze the season now and we're going to try and come back next season when we can be January or, or December or or whenever next year. If you're if you're a team sitting in mid table, let's say, you know, the Isthmian Premier Division, if you're a, an East Thurrock or a Potters Bar town, a team that are not going to mathematically go down, you're unlikely to go up. You're not going to worry about keeping players on board and potentially paying contracts and sorting out contracts. You're going to think, well, We'll play some youth team players when it comes to it, but we're not going to prepare to play competitive football for that season because ultimately it's not going to matter one way or another. And if you're top of the league and you're Worthing and you've got four games against mid-table sides lined up, you're potentially going to play against a load of kids, whereas perhaps the team in second might have three games against 
teams at the top and at the bottom. And yeah. I don't know if it happens anyway towards the end of the seasons where teams drift off and, and budgets get reduced after Christmas. But I think you'd see that to a huge extent, wouldn't you, to expect clubs to try and sort of keep players on board and keep them on contracts over, say, an eight-month break where no one plays football is is really difficult. And then can clubs yeah. register new players? So could you sign, you know, Craig Wanderer's star striker over the course of that time and, and then suddenly he's playing for you for the last eight, nine games? There's, there's an element of of keeping the, the integrity of the, the league and making sure that, that clubs don't end up throwing games. And it's the same situation that the Premier League and the AFL have got that, you know, if they want to come back in, yeah. say, finish games in July and August, if you're Newcastle United and you're sitting mid-table and you're probably not going up, probably not going down, all the players whose contracts would have ended at the end of June, you're not going to try and keep them on contract because there's no reason to pay them a couple of months extra wage if really there isn't much to play for when you come back. And then if you're, you know, one of the teams, if you're Watford fighting for your life at the bottom and you've got a game against Newcastle, you're thinking, great, I'm going to play against a team that are half depleted because half the players have left. It's As soon as you enter that sort of time scale, it kind of ruins the, the integrity of the league slightly. And also a little bit depressing if you're one of those mid-table sides and you're waiting for football to come back and you wait eight, ten months and then you've got eight games after the season and, and they're a bit meaningless anyway. You're potentially waiting, what, 18 months for any sort of meaningful football when we start the 21-22 season. Yeah, absolutely. Totally agree with that. Do you think, um, obviously, we've already lost some clubs to this, you know, sort of um, a bit further down the leagues. Um, do you think we're going to actually lose many long non-league clubs over the long term? Yeah, I think I think sadly we will. I think, you know, we always see a few every summer that, that decide they want to drop down a, a couple of levels. But I think at the moment it's... Uh, I think we've we've seen four or five already. Not clubs that are completely folded, but of of say you know Brightling Sea region have, have pulled their reserves out of step six, and and clubs have decided they want to drop down from step six to step seven if they're allowed to. Sort of Marley United in the Hellenic League, clubs like that that are just trying to tighten the purse strings a little bit and think right, well going forward we probably can't afford to to lose a lot of money next season, and sponsorship might be a bit difficult because. Lots of non-league clubs are sponsored by, you know, local tradesmen, local companies. And at the moment, most companies are, are thinking themselves, how can they save money? The last thing that they're thinking of if you're running a local scaffolding company is, oh, well, let's find £20,000 to sponsor the, the local football team. You're thinking about yeah. trying to keep as many staff paid as possible. And, and you're thinking about where, you know, where where your income's coming from. And I know it wasn't the reason that Betvic uh, pulled their sponsorship from the leagues, but I think the our th- three main leagues at step three step four are going to struggle to attract a new sponsor at the moment because no one wants to sponsor anything because a you've got no certainty that football is going to be played next season so why would you pay for no football and yeah. b no one's got any money you know and within the betting industry at the moment the betting industry is losing money because no one's putting any bets on because apart from the belarusian premier league there's there's no football to bet on so no doubt the betting industry is taking a bit of a hammering um so i think we are going to lose teams i think I think within women's football as well i think wrongly probably men's teams seem football clubs see the women's side as a bit of sort of an extra luxury and a nice thing to do but you know something that that will be the first thing to go and we've already seen afc filed announce that they're not going to keep their women's team for next season i think a lot of women's teams are sort of propped up by the the men's side or the the yeah. club itself and i think they sadly them and, and youth clubs as well fets clubs things like that walking football might might also end up running into some difficulty over the summer. I think it's going to be a, a very difficult time for, for lots of grassroots. 
Yeah, I think it's going to be a totally different landscape, to be honest, when we come back. <laughs> Do you agree with that? <laughs> yeah, I think, I think so. I mean, there's talks, isn't there, of, of League Two and the National League, whether they try and re-regionalise it for a bit. I Personally, I'm not sure that's going to happen. I think th- there might be a scenario where, say, we end the season now and we, we don't come back till January and we sort of play a, a mini half season that they might regionalise it to make travel a bit easier. Uh, but I think going forward, I know travel costs are something, but I don't think travel costs are the, the biggest expenditure and the biggest concern for for the National League and, and League Two. Yeah. But but yeah, we're definitely going to see some clubs fold or some clubs wanting to drop down. And it it kind of comes back to that decision to expunge the season and, and have no promotions, no relegations. Well, if if four National League South or North clubs decide that they want to fold over this period, did the FA look at it again and say, well, South Shields and Worthing, maybe we... We do promote them. I don't know. And, and, you know, further down the pyramid, if you lose enough clubs from step five and step six, it, it makes sense, doesn't it, to promote Jersey Bulls and Foxhall Motors and clubs that could compete at a level higher, because otherwise you're going to end up running leagues with 14 teams next season. Yeah, it's, it's just going to be an awkward one. I did notice, um, I haven't I haven't read the letter yet, but I see you've asked the EFL to promote, prom, uh, permit Barrow to be promoted. What's, a, what's the story behind that? Um, the the local MP for Barrow and Furnace, whose name escapes me off the top of my head, has um, has written to the EFL. So so their local MP has written to the EFL to ask them to um, permit Barrow to be promoted, basically. And and actually that's something we saw we saw four or five MPs do the same thing when it looked like the season was going to be expunged before it officially was below. So the the MP for South Shields wrote to the FA as well, expressing some concerned about the decision and asking for it to be looked at again I think I'm not sure it holds a huge amount of of weight I think personally I think it's quite nice to see local MPs backing and supporting their their local non-league football clubs I think that's kind of absolutely what whatever side of the political spectrum they're on I think it's it's what you want from your local MP you know they're they're elected to represent you and I think yes. it doesn't hurt for them to do what they can and use what influence they have to try and stick up for the local area and for the for the town i'm not sure that the afl are going to change their policy off the back of you know with all due respect to him one lesser from one mp but it's it's i personally i think it's nice i know people don't always like politicians to get involved in sport but personally i think it's it's quite nice having your local mp sticking up for your local place and your local sports clubs because mm. i think it, was it barrow who got voted out the league sort of, sort of 50 years ago and this is sort of the best chance they've had since then to get back in it which yeah, must be really yeah. difficult I think back then they you didn't have any automatic promotion from from the National League or from the conferences it was then so it went down to a vote and normally clubs in, in the Football League would keep the club in the Football League um, and not want to promote anybody and I think that season that, that Barrow got relegated um, they were voted out because I think geographically it was a bit difficult for other clubs, I gather. And Hereford, who I think were fourth in the conference, were the team that were picked to be promoted because they'd had a, a nice FA Cup run that year and had played a bit of nice football and, and everyone quite liked Hereford and it's yeah, a nice place to go and quite easy to get to. So they were the, the ones that were, I'm sure I'm slightly paraphrasing history here, but uh, <laughs> they were the ones that were, that were given promotion. It seems bonkers now. It was only... 30 years ago something like that that there was any sort of form of proper automatic promotion from non-league football to the football league before that it was just a, a vote at the end of the season to see if you know you fancied any of these non-league teams you fancied promoting any of them to football league and you wanted to kick anyone out of the football league it, it yeah. seems mad now and what, what's brilliant about football 
in this country now is that there is a total ladder and a pyramid you know all the way down to step seven below that you know you 11th 12th tier of English football you win enough games you can get promoted all the way up to the Premier League in theory that's that's the beauty of it and it didn't always used to be the case yeah it it, it did seem you know seem very odd the way that today used to work it's so thank goodness we have modernized although sometimes you look at the situation you think have we modernized that much to be honest in my opinion (laughs) well yeah quite Certainly this this summer will be a, um, a test of all of that, won't it? And, and I think one of those tests is whether or not the decision is one that's applied across the whole of English football. You know, I think I, I'd i imagine, I don't know, as a, as a Worthing fan or as a South Shields fan or, or clubs like that, if the whole English football pyramid was made null and void, would you say, you know what, fair enough, we, we'll, we'll take that. I think it's the, yeah. it's the suggestion of inconsistency, isn't it, that the league above yes. might decide to promote teams and... and the league below just by the fact that step three for whatever reason that decision's made didn't and step two does i think that it's the inconsistency isn't it that i think is going to annoy fans even more if, if it goes that way yeah i think i think that's the the whole bugbear and that's sort of you know why a lot of uh, non-league fans sort of uh, want to see the resolution of this as soon as possible so at least we can say All right okay we've you know it's it's happened across the board nothing we can do you know we go again next season but obviously there's still fans out there who are like oh you know if they decide to promote um like you say the uh, national league north and south and have no relegations you're like well you know it's not a very <laughs> it's not a very fluid way of doing it and like you say the football pyramid's been introduced so like you say any any club whatever step they're in you know can basically get to the premiership if, you know if they want to and it's just going to seem a, 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 bit, a bit unfair if you know the premier league carries on the efl carries on the national league uh, carries on and also the south and the north and I think that's the the bit that sticks in everyone's teeth really that it is it's not across it's not a level playing field for everybody no it, I mean it might it might end up being the case it might be the case that national league clubs vote to non and void and that the, the EFL and the Premier League don't finish and make that decision I I think it, it feels like it's unlikely it feels like the, the suggestion coming out of, of the EFL is that if that were to happen, they wouldn't relegate, but they might promote teams. That seems to be the the feeling at the moment. And it seems to be that the National League or well, the EFL certainly are perhaps keen to try and take one club, probably Barrow, if it were to be one club, to, to make them the numbers back up to 72. But at the moment, the whole thing could end up being made null and void. It, it, it's easier, certainly, for those making the decisions to, to look at it and to... Yeah, you know, it saves the headache of of the National League saying, well, we can't really relegate from the National League North and National League South because there's nowhere for those clubs to go, so we won't relegate from there, and we can't replay playoffs because it's not feasible. So we promote the top two in the, the top one in the North and South, and then maybe relegate two from the National League, but that was never in the rules to begin with. And it, it I, whatever else has to happen, it will it'll sort of be a bit of a fudge of the rules. So it might be an easy decision for everybody to say, you know what. Well, not avoid it all and, and do what step three down has, has done we don't know yeah. yet it's, it'll be an interesting couple of weeks on that one that's it because the, pre- the premiership are having a meeting today aren't they understand so it, again it's going to be interesting to see what comes out of that obviously liverpool have you know uh walked the league this year really in real terms so you know it would be really really harsh on them wouldn't it yeah, it, it would. They're, what, 25 points clear or whatever it is. It, it, 
even if they were to lose every single game, I think you'd, you'd probably expect them still to pick up the title. But so whether whether the Premier League can can sort of hand them the title, but not relegate. I mean, I think there's there's one there's one goal in it between the, the teams, you know, in the bottom and sort of either side of that relegation line in in 18th and 17th. You know, same points and, and one goal difference in it. So it'd be very very harsh to, to relegate teams who haven't finished the season. You might say Norwich are a little bit adrift, but then yeah. then you get into territory of saying, well, realistically, who had a chance, who didn't? What's real? You know, if you're eight points adrift at the bottom, is that far enough to say you haven't got a chance? What about ten? You, you just end up in this sort of murky water of looking at it and then saying oh they had easier fixtures they had four home games left and you, you can't you can't run football like that so it. it kind of has to be a a cut and fast rule to that can apply for your whole league or ideally all the leagues um and maybe you can hand Liverpool a title or maybe you can award titles i think that's that's part of what hurt about the, the non-league decision wasn't it, it was the, the word challenge yeah. and to make that decision i think you Again, I don't know. As Worthing fan, maybe would you have would you have taken a title but no promotion if they'd said, well, we can't promote because we haven't finished the season, but we'll we'll award medals and, and trophies based on the current position. I suppose at least that would be something, wouldn't it? It would have been, you know, something with all the effort that's been put in over a season. To be honest, um, obviously it wouldn't have felt the same by any stretch of the imagination, but at least the players would, you know, would have got a reward for all their hard work. Yeah, although I guess behind closed door, you know, if you're given the title like like TSG appear to be in in France, and you're given a title, but you're all at home, you can't celebrate, you can't do anything with it, and it just feels a bit odd. It's you know, it's bad enough when teams sort of win a title when they're not playing on the pitch that day, you know, because someone else loses a game on a Tuesday night or something. It's it's completely yeah. other. You know, if Liverpool are handed the title at the moment, it'll be a, be a weird atmosphere. I'm sure Liverpool fans will be glad for it, but it, it's not like strange to go and and party in the, the streets of Liverpool for three days straight, is it? Yeah, absolutely. Do you think that the FA have probably, you know, uh, missed an opportunity here to, because everything's dragging on, we're still talking about it sort of, you know, five, six weeks after the last ball was kicked, um, that the FA should have maybe uh, come out straight away with a stance and said, look, you know, that with these lockdowns, and there was, there was even back then when the first lockdown happened, you know, we, we all looked at it and we said, you know, we could be in lockdown for a while. So wouldn't it have been better for the FA to have come out at that time and made a decision for everyone across the whole leagues rather than, you know, we, we're speculating, you know, uh, it makes a great conversation, great radio. Um, but obviously, you know, I'd prefer it that the FA come out and said, right, we're, do, we're doing this and everyone just follows them. Would that be a be- better way to go? It would have been nice, wouldn't it? I think they, the FA, from my understanding of it, have sort of complete jurisdiction over over non-league. So step one to seven, the FA kind of have the ultimate say. The EFL, I think, pretty much run the EFL alongside the FA, but they, I think it's the EFL who have the ultimate say over Championship to League Two. And then the Premier League are a separate entity in themselves. Yeah. And then the Premier League have got to fit in with UEFA. And if UEFA say that they can end the season because of, of qualification and, and then there's FIFA there's there's so many different governing bodies w- within it all I think what's interesting with the, the FA was they seem to be quite keen to let leagues make their own decisions to a to a point which I guess you can look at it you can look at it two ways I think personally I'd have perhaps liked them to have, have made a call across the whole of non-league and said we're not going to relegate but we're going to promote automatic spots based on points per game I think that could have probably just about worked 
across non-league. Instead, they sort of said, well, National League, we're going to let you make your own decision and, and the FA is probably going to back whatever decision that is. And they let the, the Chiefs from the Isthmian League and, and the Southern League and the Northern Premier League come together and, and make a decision. And then they encourage the FA Council just to back it and ratify it afterwards. And I think it goes back actually to, as well, the start of this, where if you remember that weekend where Football League games were being called off and the Premier League games were being called off and the FA said, well, I'm not really sure about non-league, we'll leave it up to the individual leagues to decide if games yeah. are safe to be played or not. And then suddenly you've got people running step five, step six leagues, you know, running the local Spartan League or United Counties League. But on the Friday, being told that they have to make a judgment whether they think it's safe or not to play games the following day. And you think, well, these guys running these leagues are great at football administration. They're great at doing fixtures and collecting fines, but they're not public health experts. How on earth can you, yeah. if you run, you know, the United County, how on earth are you qualified to make a decision in the interest of public safety for a pandemic, the likes of which we've never seen, whether or not it's yeah. safe to play a game or not? How, how can you possibly make that decision? And we ended up with this weird scenario where the National League said, no, let's play games. And then half the club said, well, we don't want to. So they played some games. And then some leagues played, some leagues didn't. Northern Premier did, I think, but the Isthmian and Southern didn't. And that sort of weird weekend where half football was cancelled and half wasn't. And that was the FA, in my opinion anyway, sort of slightly passing the buck or slightly just handing over responsibility to all of those people running the leagues rather than taking one unified approach and, and offering guidance and saying, we think it's safe to play games, you should play games unless clubs have real concerns, or no, it's not safe to play games, don't play any games in non-league football. Yeah, no, I absolutely agree with you. Right, I'm quite conscious, Olive. I'm, I'm taking up loads of your time here. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, and obviously our show is only so long tomorrow. So, um, Ollie, can I thank you ever so much for your time? Um, it would be an absolute pleasure if you come down to Worthing when, when we get playing again and uh, do a commentary with me. That would be fantastic. Oh, I'd love to. And it's one I've not ticked off. So I've never been to Worthing. So I, I would love to. When we finally can get back to actually watching actual proper football and stop having to talk and, and worry about all the, the football administration and all these hypothetical points per game yeah. situations and all this and get back to actually seeing 22 blokes kick a football around. That'd be a lot more fun, wouldn't it? Yeah, I, I just cannot wait for that day, to be honest. I really can't. I'm, I'm, it's driving me up the wall now. I've even shaved my head this morning. It's that bad. <laughs> Oh, I need to cut my hair. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a state. Uh, but no, really, really, really enjoyed. Really enjoyed chatting to you. And, and yeah, love to get down to Worthing at some point. OK, Ben, I'll, you take care of yourself, mate. We'll speak take soon. Care. Thanks, take Peter. care. Thanks, Peter. Bye-bye. Appreciate it, mate. Cheers. No Bye. Flowrider with uh, my house there, um, and we uh, really appreciate Ollie Bayliss joining us for the podcast yesterday. It was uh, fantastic, and Pete, thank you so much for sorting that out at quite last minute. You managed to have no technological faults there, did you? Well, he went a bit stuttery at one point towards the end, but I think yeah. that might be a connection. Good old internet connection. What we'll do is uh, when we release the podcast, I'll clip the actual full interview in so we don't have any of that. But um, we've got Barry Hunter, our chairman online. Barry, how are you? I'm very well, James. Thank you. Thanks for asking. Are you? Yeah, I'm good, thanks, mate. It's good to hear from you again. It's been uh, about a month since we last speak. I think just over a month. So uh, how have you been uh, coping with it? Are you? Uh, <laughs> the nice weather will help, but no, we've had really rubbish one this week. We said just off the line, it's nice to see the sunshine back again. It is, yeah, lovely. And we're... Um... 
uh, I don't know. You probably don't know my particular situation. We were we bought a house a year ago and um, planned to uh, redevelop it, extend it, refurbish. We got six months into that. We're two months away from it being completed, so we don't actually have a house to live in. So on the lockdown, we we moved up to the Peak District to stay in a friend's house. It's normally rented, so we've been up here for. It's a lovely part of the world. We used to live up here, uh, but we've been we've been here for five six weeks now. Lockdown and um, enjoy the sunshine and the walks. Beautiful. Lots of nice walks around there, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, really nice, lovely countryside. So did it did it take your mind off last Saturday when, uh, as we said earlier on the podcast, we could have been in the bar at Woodside, probably having one too many, celebrating uh, being league champions. It because uh, it would be a nice uh, a nice distraction if I was up there. Yeah, it's um yeah there would have been um I'd prefer to have been at Woodside doing that let's say let's say that it's yeah. uh, it's, it's very I think we all would yeah so we got we got um really kind of you to join us we're not going to really bang on about the sort of null and void anymore we've had your views on that and you know we know the stance of it and you know what the club but we really want to sort of you know we're going to discuss with Pete in a minute about like you know the futures um of the club and you know what you've got planned next uh to get us a bit excited for when we eventually do get back to the crucial environmental yeah i'm happy to talk about it is pete going to ask me some questions or you want me to yeah, uh we've got we've got we've got yeah pete if you, well, if you want to introduce him pete i mean you can ask some questions and we've asked on the chat if anyone wants to drop you a little line about anything so if we get some questions in i hope you'll be all right to answer we won't we won't give you any tricky ones we're all nice and chilled on a saturday um at four o'clock that's fine absolutely no fun yeah, we have we, we have got some questions um from from listeners which are i'll come i'll come to in a in a moment um yeah so uh, jane has already touched on it what basically is happening in and around the club that you can tell us at the moment? Um, well, I mean, given the difficult situation we're all living in at the moment, one of the, you know, one of the positives that is coming out for us in our little world of Worthing Football Club is the fact that we actually are able to spend as a committee um, quite a lot of time. We're having weekly video conference calls now discussing and planning and preparing for um, next season, and um, uh, there's eight. There's an eight-man strong committee, and um, representing all areas of, and voices from the club, all local people. Um, we have good balanced conversation. We make some good balanced decisions, um, which are challenged. And so, we've done a lot of work behind the scenes, thinking, planning, preparing, discussing. And this is some of the stuff I want to discuss. This afternoon, Pete, some of the outcomes of, of those conversations. So um, we're, we're very busy. Um, I think um, I think the big thing that, that we want to focus on as a club at the moment is regardless of what goes on sort of week to week, month to month, and even to an extent season by season, our focus is making sure, my focus certainly six months into the job here, is to focus on making sure we are um, ready uh, off the pitch as a club to match what we've been doing on the pitch so that we're all as a club able to jump into National League football at some point in the future, um, capable of, of staying up there and, and doing what the club is capable of doing. So our focus at the moment is all on the off the pitch, off the pitch side. Um, in particular, we've got two initiatives that we've been focusing on. Um, the first is around... Um, uh, floodlights we want to in particular want to upgrade the ground 
Um, we want to make sure that the ground is suitable for National League football, but also it upgrades a little bit the customer, um, or should I say, the, the the supporter experience, the fan experience, and the and the players' experience as well. So there are two big uh, initiatives that we've got going around ground grading. Um, the first is um, a substantial uplift and upgrade in the floodlight system. We're putting brand new floodlights in, LED lamps, um, more columns, greater distribution of light. Will be the best floodlights in the league and will be as good as anything you'll find in the National League as well. We've got the planning for that um, and we plan to put that into the, into the ground over, over the summer period. Um, and, the, and the other main development that we've been working on is the, I get my geography right now, the northeast corner of the ground. Um, we've got four bits going on, if you like, around that sort of area. I think first is if we were to um, go into the National League at some point in the, in the near future, we, we need to make sure we can segregate crowds. Not that we need to do that every week, but on occasion we may need to do that. So there is an extra entrance on Woodside Road into the ground, into that corner. So we're going to upgrade that. We've had planning to upgrade it. We're going to put um, turnstiles in so that we can offer a, a, a grade, a, a crowd um, segregation opportunity if we need to. In yeah. that corner also. On, on, on that point, Barry, yeah. um, I did understand because I knew the planning was in. Yeah. That there was um, a couple of objections from some of the neighbours. Have those been overcome? Yeah, I mean, it was to, just to do with uh, people in particular who, who've got boundaries down that particular path. And uh, we make we will make sure um, we mitigated those risks by making sure that there, there's some manning going on around around the uh, path on the match day so that doesn't interfere and interrupt um, the local people. Um, so that that was we were expecting some challenge, but quite honestly, in, in the scheme of things, it was it was fairly straightforward. We'll work with the neighbours to make sure they're not they're not inconvenienced. Um, but that development, and as you go into the corner, we've, we're we're going to upgrade that whole building that's there at the moment. In uh, if you can call it a building these days, <laughs> I'll get I'll get knocked down. We'll put a toilet block, brand new toilet block in there. We're going to have a new food and uh, drinks kiosk, and we'll probably have some space there for storage and maybe a small office as well. Um, so I've got to thank Jim Hickson. Uh, for driving this project with uh, Jason Price and also Mike Tanner, who's a, a volunteer, a club, a team supporter and uh, former architect. So he's been helping us with the planning there. There's a lot happening, though. Um, well, I would also, on that, that work is going to cost us about £150,000, a lot of money. Um, yeah, I was going to say, I was going to say yeah. to you, like with the floodlights and stuff, um, how are we, how are we getting the money for this? <laughs> yeah, £150,000 that all that's been costed at. And uh, we've been working for three months trying to uh, raise funds to, to, to get it paid and get it supported. Uh, we've done really well. Um, at the moment, we've raised £111,000 uh, behind the scenes, um, 90, which is basically three quarters of what we need. So we've got £95,000 in a grant fund from um, the Football Stadium Improvement Fund, um, which is made up of the FA, the Premier League, um, Sports England. And I've got to thank Angela Tanner, um, who has been fantastic. You'll know Angela, and very well. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, been great in that effort for us. 
Uh, I think the Worthy Football Club Supporters Association have donated uh, £4,000 of their funds as well. And we've got a we sponsor. Good like that, aren't we? Brilliant. Ah, oh, it's absolutely brilliant. And um, uh, any more you can raise, we'll, and I'm sure you're going to support the fundraising effort. It, it's fantastic. And we've got a sponsor donation as well of 12000 so actually, we only have, I say only, we have a funding gap now of 40,000 to get all of that development work um, done. Uh, there's a little bit of um, upgrade in the home changing room as well, which will be part of that, that project. Um, so we're, we're three quarters of the way through. We've got a quarter of the way to go. I would say that um, we've got... Um, Within seven to ten, ten days, we'll be talking about a, a fundraising effort. It's a really difficult thing to do at the moment. We've delayed announcing this initiative for many weeks now, Pete, because um, we recognise the incredibly difficult time that's going on, and any fundraising at the moment is being pushed towards the, the quite rightly the health service. But you know, we recognise a lot of people are going to probably be a little bit um, disappointed or angry that we're trying to raise money for our own cause, but Equally, we think there will be a lot of people who understand the importance of getting things up and running and, and upgraded. And we hope there's enough there that um, can support this. And I think a lot of people also recognise the role the club plays in the community. And we're hoping that that will help us um, get to get to raise this, these, these funds. OK, so on, on the sort of basis of the, the £40,000 that we're, we're looking for, um, there has been a question from one of the uh, fans in the forum, Matt, is just asking any fundraising plans like 50-50 raffles um, for club merchandise, et cetera, that can be organised online? Yeah. At the moment? Yeah. Um, well, I think, I think that's a good idea. There's going to be – there's a lot of work, as you can imagine, um, already going on, which has planned a number of ways in which we can raise. We're going to launch that out to everybody – uh, the whole community in the next seven to ten days. And I think draws like that that Matt's just recommended will be included. There'll be some other bigger schemes as well. Um, and um, a lot of the schemes, not just donating money, but actually will involve gifts back and rewards and other things so that, you know, we give something back at the same time. And I would imagine, and I haven't consulted too much on this yet, I'd imagine we'd also be doing some uh, fundraising for, for local um, health charities as well part of that yeah which would be excellent so like i say any, anything we can do obviously there's a, a lot of our fans um in this group listening to this broadcast today so um you've heard it here first from barry <laughs> we need forty thousand pounds so if you have got any ideas how we can how we can help the club raise this money we, we appreciate it's a difficult time um it might be on the back burner at the moment for some people but you know we, we need to push forward for improvements um, we want to we want to go up. We want to get promoted. It's uh, regulations. So as you said, Barry, this is going to bode us in good stead for the future. Um, on on that basis, another question has popped up. Um, any update on the pitch? Um, oh, so close to be able to give you a full update on this. <laughs> this is, I keep trying, Barry. I keep trying. <laughs> We uh, we are very close. I, well, I, I've been working tirelessly on this for two years now, behind the scenes, even before jumping in this role as chairman, to try and um, address this issue, which I kind of inherited here with 
what happened, I don't know, three, four years ago now when, when the pitch was first installed. Um, we did some work to the pitch, which meant that the drainage issues were addressed, but it, it really left us with a bit of a patchwork quilt carpet. Um, look, can I leave you with this this comment that we are very, very close to uh, an agreement with the contractors. We have an agreement, we've just not signed it yet, um, which means that they will um, lift the carpet that's there at the moment, fix the sub base, put a new carpet on, um, and will make a huge difference. And if you can add that to the lights and the developments in the northeast corner, <laughs> we'll be in a different world next season. So. I'm very close to signing an agreement there. We've discussed it at the committee. They've all signed off the plans. We've had fantastic support from FIFA and the FA, um, protecting our club and, and fighting our corner, and that's really helped in these discussions. But it is a legal situation. I can't give too much away, but I'm very positive and very hopeful that we can get some positive news in the very near future on that. Excellent. So two weeks today. <laughs> Barry, just um, yeah. just a thought of that. Um, the pitch if it's getting ripped up, a way of way raising money. Could we maybe, if we, if it's waste, could we like you know sell the pitch to fans to raise money? You know, a little bit of a souvenir part of Woodside Road, or is that would that be have to be taken away completely? Because I'd quite happily buy a little bit of the pitch. How much do you need? <laughs> um, well, actually, I could have saved money because I'm going to get my garden astroturf, so I could have had the whole bloody thing for free, couldn't I? <laughs> but, I mean, I'm just thinking it would be a nice little thing, you know, you maybe get some frames if you put it in or something, you know, there's a lot of memories being made on the pitch, especially on this season, and, you know, a way of, you know, raising a bit of funds for this 40k. That's a nice idea, James. Um, actually, removing the pitch is quite onerous and expensive, um, and if we could turn that into a positive, it's, some, it's a nice idea. I'll talk to the contractors when we get over the line and see if we can build it into our thinking. Nice one. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, that That's a good... I know hey. Pete, would, Pete would probably carpet his front room with it. I wouldn't be allowed, mate. <laughs> he, could put, he could put it on his head, have a new hairstyle from what I'm looking at. <laughs> Have it for some of the, ma the man cave out the back. Look, the viewers, are, uh, the listeners are already saying, Sylvia's already said she's going to get, uh, she'd happily buy some. I'm sure some of the away boys would buy a bit. So, you know, I think you'd have quite a few takers, you know, there. We might, easy way of making money. Yeah. Lovely, yeah. <laughs> we could do things like penalty spots and, yeah, no, it's quite nice. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, yeah, I like that. Fantastic. Brilliant. Well, no, yeah. brilliant. There, is a, there is a couple of other questions, Barry. Uh, yeah. one, from, one from Sylvia. Um, well, it's a couple from Sylvia, actually. Um, uh, we're in a time of uncertainty. How do you intend to keep WFC supporters updated on progress at the club? Apart from nice what you've question. done doing that. Yeah, yeah, nice question, Sylvia. Um, well, this is a good example. The minute, I mean, this is the first time we've publicised this news, for example, uh, about the ground developments uh, is, is today on the back of a conversation uh, with the committee on Wednesday. So we agreed to, to announce those developments today so this is a very good example and I, you know thank you to the, the rebel yell podcast give us this opportunity to be able to come out and talk to people uh, live and, um, and 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 in real time if you like um there's there's obviously the social media posts that will go out on the back of these announcements and others um which which i know george and um jake do some really good work on um, and then, then on top of that, we've got the website, and and there's a little bit of uh, updating we can put on to the website to reflect this and other other things going on. And I think when any other news happens, uh, we'll use all those mediums to to keep people informed. That's fair enough. And another one for Sylvia. Um, when you joined Worthing Football Club, 
Uh, no one could have expected the problems we're now facing. Uh, but looking back over the season, what have you enjoyed the most about being chairman at Worthing Football Club? Oh. Apart from me. Apart from what, you? <laughs> <laughs> um, well, um, personally, um, there are two things I would probably, three things I would say. First of all, uh, going back to the ground, the club that, been so you know close to our family's heart for many many years um in sitting director's box my dad would sit behind in that uh, in that uh, the uh, the announcement box where you stand pete next to so that's been nice that's really touching and taking me close to uh to my dad that's been fantastic at a personal level um i think um i've i've been incredibly surprised by not surprised is the wrong word but very impressed by the standard of play and the professionalism that that um adam and the and the, and the, the club has at first team level but all the way through down in women's team and their success and, and the youth teams uh, the academy we've got such a wonderful um infrastructure and ethos at the club which has been incredibly um incredibly uh, impressive um and and thirdly just um working with the new committee that we've put together in the last six months I thoroughly enjoy working with eight, eight people, seven people plus myself who really care about the club and, and, and are making some really good decisions and moving things forward at a real pace. So, Sylvia, sorry, it's a long answer to a quick question, but um, three different angles to what, what I've really enjoyed since I started. No, that's brilliant. No, it's, it's nice to hear because, like I say, you know... Um, that's great to hear. I'll, Obviously, you know you you're not you're not an all singing all dancing sort of chairman. You get along, you get on with your job quietly in the background. So it's you know it's good to know a bit more about your your personality and, and what does actually does actually go on. Yeah, I think Pete, you make a good observation. I, I I'm not somebody. I've worked in sport and high profile sports businesses for years. I've I've done a lot of things with a lot of very famous people, and I've enjoyed that world, that life, but. Coming to Worthing's is for a different reason. I, I'm not doing it for me or about me. It's about the club, and so and I'm also somebody that tends to try and do things and then uh, tell people what we've done rather than say what we're going to do and then probably under under deliver. So that's the way around. I prefer it. But no, I you know I'll have a drink with anybody at the bar, and uh, you know I look forward to meeting more and more supporters as we go through next season. So when we get back playing, uh, first drink at the bars on Barry. <laughs> <laughs> no, you can't promise that. <laughs> That's a twister. He's just got ever so great. Pete's cheap anyway. He only, he only has a bet, so it's not going to cost you much. Yeah. <laughs> so how, one more question you know, we've got I'm, here. We've got um, Barry. There's um, Ollie K has asked, who is your favourite player to watch and no sitting on the fence? That's a tough one. It's a tough one. I need to think about this. Uh, well, look, a couple of angles. Can I give two answers to that? I, I played Aaron my... Racine and Reese Meekham's later yeah. on in the broadcast. So, if you want to say anything, maybe you know that might. <laughs> well, Aaron, Aaron was going to be um, the the player that um, I recognise as making such a difference to the side. When Aaron came back into the side, yeah, yeah. you saw the spine. The strength in that spine, you know, really raise, and um, it, you know, we started going a huge um, run once Aaron got back. 
he's the, he has been enormous to the side. I, 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 you know, there are a number of players I enjoy watching. I actually played as a striker, so I often spend a lot of time watching the strikers and the way they play. And uh, I like uh, I like Reese and the movement Reese has. I like watching Ollie and the movement that uh, Ollie has up front as well. And he's he scores some goals this season. So, um, but but for me, uh, Aaron in, in that role. Uh, has been immense, and I would say that uh, probably uh, as a chairman watching the team play, having Aaron there is, is very comforting. Definitely, I'll I guess go moving on from that. that. What, um, when were you sort of looking at players sort of signing for the season? When do you start preparing? Because obviously we don't know when that season's going to be, but I guess the talks have already happened with Hinch and you know who's going to come, who any targets, who's going to stay, going to re-sign. I mean, when when will the work start being done? Well. Um, the, the start of that process is is in the budgeting. We, we as a committee, have prepared a budget for next season. Um, is a little bit in the air because you don't know exactly timing and amount of interest in sponsorship, etc. But we we needed to get a feel for um, the income, which enables us to spend, and then for what our spent expenditure could be with the team. Once that was done, and that is done, uh, we briefed uh, Nathan, who's uh, our director of football on the committee, uh, and he and I spoke with uh, Adam. And um, Adam's got a budget. He's been working, I think, last two or three weeks on um, that squad. And I know we were having discussions a few months ago, and he's already thinking about that. And I hope he, players like Dean, for example, that came in right at the end, probably in, in his thoughts as well for next season, no doubt. So, um it's already going, is the answer, James. We've already been working hard on that for the last few weeks. Um, but it starts oh, with, with that budget. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. Excellent. So apart from um, the off-pitch, Barry, obviously the club's got no income at the moment. Um, if this continues for too long, is that going to put plans back or will it have any effect, do you think? Well... Um, and it's a bit like work, isn't it? We um, we don't have the income, but therefore we've made sure we don't have the expenditure as well. Um, the majority of our expenditure is is on is on our first team squad. Obviously, that stopped at the end of the season. We've managed to uh, get government support through their job retention scheme for our players uh, through to the end of the season for that last sort of five or six weeks, which I know that they were very grateful for. But once we get through uh, April, early May, the, a lot of the costs in the club stop. And uh, although we're not getting any money in, we're not really getting money out. So we're fairly mothballed. We're fairly stable. Um, and actually making the most of the time we've got now to plan and prepare for next season. And I really want to make these these ground improvements make a difference to the club, which is why we're focusing hard now on the on the effort to get the funds raised. Yep, excellent. So, anything else, James? No, no, it's it's really, Barry, thank you so much. And thanks for coming on. Like, you know, really, really appreciate yeah. it. And it's just really nice to hear from Chairman. And to be honest, it's a bit of a sort of morale boost from us because, you know, you can speculate all you want about what's going to happen to the club. But to actually hear it from the man himself that knows and, you know, it gives a bit of hope that we're going to come back to a stable club and, you know, we're going to come back to some very exciting stuff going on in the future. Yeah, James, you know, we are we are solid. We're a solid club. I, I, there's so much opportunity. Uh, if you look at the macro factors of the club, the size of the town, the population, the business community, the fan base, 
we are, you know, we firmly believe we're a National League club. We just have to get there. And, and the quicker we start gearing everyone's mind around uh, next season, being an Isthmian Prem club and how we get out of it, um, with things like the ground grading, with things like the player squad, um, and everyone focusing on that effort now, I think the quicker we get there, the better, um, and we get to realise realise our, our, our opportunity. Look after yourself, mate, and keep keep yourself your safe. Enjoy the Peak District for what you've got left up there, and hopefully your house can get finished soon. Is it? Is, yeah. Have you got the builders back? Are they? Or are they sort of? Can they be back at the well, moment? That's the thing. If they'd carried on while we were here, we would be in good shape. But no, there's there's no movement at the moment. We're hoping within the next four weeks they can get the supplies in and they can start work again, and we'll be back home within the next couple of months. But, you know, video conferencing is what it's all about now. It's the future. Uh, yeah. Guys, well done again, though, as ever. I said last time, you do a great job. This is a lovely opportunity to talk and uh, get some word out. So, um, so well done. But just to reassure you, the club's in good hands. We're talking regularly. Things are happening and we're not just standing, standing still. We're moving on at a pace behind the scenes. Excellent. Thanks ever Thank so much, Barry. You, Thanks um, for your time. Pleasure. Yeah. Speak just later, like, guys. Just like, just like the club, Rebel Yell will be uh, going from strength to strength next season as well. So we look forward to it when that well is. Done. Well thanks done. again, Barry. Uh, a little right. musical interview. Cheers. Now we'll be back with you shortly, guys. Thanks, Barry. Guys, that was uh, Blinded by the Lights um, by The weekend. Uh, great tune, as Jasper Patton says. Uh, we have got the Wasp back with us now. The Wasp, <laughs> are you there? I am. I am. The Wasp good is Good to be back. Room. He's done his coursework. He's been a good boy. He's done it this <laughs> afternoon. Body Shop's latest employee. Yeah, there you go. What, what have you been up to, mate? Apart, well, just tell what, what people are probably going, what the hell am I on about? What's, what's Body Shop's latest employee, then? Oh, uh, so starting on Wednesday, working full time at the new body shop warehouse in Darlington. Um, so I've just been picking and packing some orders, busy times, <laughs> picking out some stuff in the warehouse, I packing out, sending it off. I thought it was a uh, body shop roundabout. Yeah, they're yeah, HQ's in Littlehampton, but they've literally opened three weeks ago in Darlington because they've had to half the staff in Littlehampton because of the social distancing. So they've moved half of them over oh. to the Darlington Warehouse. Oh, fair play. You enjoying it? Yeah, no, it's a good laugh because my dad's the project manager. So, ah, so family yeah. scratching each other's backs there. Exactly, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah well, that's good. Well, it's good to hear from you, mate. What have you been up to in the last couple of weeks? Pretty similar, to be honest. Um, just not a lot. Getting out, doing a bit, and then coming home, eating. Um... Uh, standard. Any any steak? Any steak in peppercorn sauce? Not since. I haven't had any steak since, which I'm a bit disappointed about. Are you making the most of buying alcohol legally? Not really, actually. I've probably bought one, probably a couple of beers. I've had a couple of beers since, but apart from that, not really. 
Is someone, got, no, is someone listening to this in the background? Can we turn, can we turn it down? Yeah. On Make it it's got his uh, telly on now. Some music. <laughs> <laughs> <It's been stuck. laughs> oh my god! It's definitely not me. We were getting so right. so much more professional. I've, all right, I've I've kicked I've kicked Spencer off now. So if he wants, if someone wants to message him and he can redial in with his TV off and then microphone on, we'll do that. But anyway, um, it, it, we got another voice to do. So I'll gaffer himself, Adam. How are you, Adam? Hint yeah, himself, very well, thanks, mate. All good. Oh, it's, it's good to hear from you actually, and actually be able to speak to you rather than going via Pete, because uh, Pete often uh, just sort of like you know blinds blurs the lines there when you try and say something. Don't you, Pete? <laughs> I, I can I can imagine that. You can imagine the abuse I get, Adam. It's ter- it's totally uncalled for. Uh, well, if you heard his like BBC uh, job interview earlier, Adam, perfect. I mean, it, it's literally uh, he's going to be he's going to be leaving us at Rebel Year. He's already kicked me out of being this co-commentator because he wants like Ollie Bayliss. So you know, he's, uh, he's he's just using it for his own like CV right now. I think. Any 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 messages for um, Jasper and his drinking? Now he's over eighteen, Adam. No, it's obviously very nice to hear that he's not um, spending all his time getting alcohol. He's keeping himself busy. Like I knew he would do, he's a good boy. Um, so, oh, yeah, it's nice to hear. Yeah. It's not, it's not all about the drink. Exactly. Overrated, mate. It's overrated. Well overrated. I, I used to enjoy the day sneaking into Tesco with my brother's ID. Boring. <laughs> oh, dear. Exactly. It's, it's all coming out now, Jess. Yeah. It's so boring now. I'm actually allowed. <laughs> <laughs> brilliant. Brilliant. So, Adam, what have you been What have you been up to? Um, I'd like to say loads, but very little, to be honest. Um, just been doing bits in the garden. Uh, you know, been neglected for probably the last three or four years where been so tied up with football so I've got plenty of work to be getting on with here so just doing that really so taking the time to yeah taking the time to sit out in the garden now really excellent and we just we just heard from Barry um that you've got your your playing budget for next season um obviously we we don't want to know how much it is um so are you um you know hopeful with what you've got that we can you know put another challenge together yeah, I mean, the conversations I've had with, you know, been brief, really. I haven't been bothering the players too much because I haven't got too much information to give them um, yeah. in terms of, you know, when we're likely to start back. And um, But the, the the sense I'm getting is that the nucleus of the of, of the player squad, if not all of them, want to want to stay and be part of it again next year and have a real go. So that's a real positive and... I think with the, the, the age of the group that we've got, um, you know, hopefully they're only going to improve on the experience that they've had this year. Brilliant news. Yeah, excellent. Like I say, because uh, that, that was a, a, a really good team that sort of, you know, cl- clicked, to, clicked at the right times. And, um, you know, to go and beat them away from home all season, except for the first, the first day, uh, you know, it's a it's a, a massive achievement, and you know, credit to you, you know yourself and your players for putting that sort of run together because not many teams can do that. No, it was 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 a good run. Um, yeah, I wasn't probably too aware of it until you sort of brought it to my attention after uh, one of the last sort of away games. But 
think it was the one at Kingstonians that you, you mentioned it to me. So, yeah, obviously a great run. I think the, the key key thing for me uh, with this group of players is just how good sort of um, the sort of team spirit is and the actual characters that we've got in the group. They're all generally good people um, to be around. And, you know, I think that that's a massive part of our success last year was... Um, you know, the, the players themselves and how they implemented uh, their going about their day-to-day work and every day they come in, they, they worked hard and um, if anyone slept off, then, you know, it wasn't down to me to say to them that the boys would tell each other and they know the sort of standards that they sort of set themselves. So to keep to keep that rolling for another year um, would be massive for us. The hard work and dedication it definitely showed to us fans as well. And you could see the effort that the boys gave on the pitch week in, week out, um, created lots of great memories. And we need to just create more of those where we can get back going again. Yeah, definitely. There was um, obviously a few disappointments, um, blemishes early on in the season. It was an all plain sailing, but you know we worked hard to, to overcome them. And um, obviously, I think the, the cuts was quite pointed. Um, with our performances in those as well so there's still plenty for us to, to work on and improve on and, and get better uh, throughout the season OK so Adam going back to your, your playing days yep I'm going to put you on the spot now what was your, your, your favourite season? my favourite season? I, I think I only really had one season where I played regular where it weren't hit for injury really um We'd just sort of uh, gone up into the championship, um, and it, it was it was difficult. Uh, we didn't have the biggest budget in the world, uh, say similar to had got good nucleus of youth players, similar to what we've got. Worthing, there was good team spirit, and I played in sort of my best position, which I felt was centre half throughout the majority of the season, um, and yeah, disappointing that I only really got probably three quarters of a season of me showing what I felt was uh, my best, really, which is, you know, disappointing to, to not um, extend that any longer. But, um, yeah, it was a season in the Championship after we went up um, at Cardiff. I think I, I missed the, the first game, come on sub against Reading, and then played three quarters of that season. Uh, we ended up staying up in the Championship, so it was a massive achievement. Um, so that personally was probably uh, the highlight for me playing. Um, so it was a season 2004-2005. Yep. Um, right. One of the things that Jasper surprised me, Adam. Sorry? Jasper was only just born then, wasn't he? <laughs> probably. <laughs> <laughs> I was still calling on my floor. <laughs> <laughs> one, yeah, so one of the things that surprised me, Adam, is you only picked up two yellow cards in 40 appearances. Why would that surprise you, Pete? <laughs> you got me all wrong, mate. You got me all wrong. <laughs> so just the fact that, you know, for, for your position, um, you know, there's not many people that walk away with a season with... Just two bookings. Look at Jesse Starkey, three sendings off this season, oh, and he's, no. you know, he's sent off the board this season either. No, I, I, mean, I think, from a personal <laughs> point of view, the more pleasing thing um, rather than the two yellow cards would be the zero own goals that I got that year. So, obviously, <laughs> yeah, 
uh, quite well known now for um, an own goal I scored rather than anything else I've done in my playing career. So my kids are always sort of uh, bringing it up, saying how many views it's had. Um, so uh, that that'd be the pleasing thing. Um, yeah, I, I must admit, I did laugh the first time I saw it. Yeah, good, good. Yeah, as long as people laugh, I can laugh at it. So. <laughs> And you actually you actually scored one goal that season against Queen's Park Rangers at home, but you actually lost the game. Yeah. No, yeah, I think it was my first goal in professional football, so one I won't remember. I think I was playing right wing at the time. Um, just, yeah, I couldn't really miss it. Just arrived at the back post, get inside the, the full-back, like I'm preaching to our wide players all the time, Jasper, I know. To, to get inside their fullback, just done that, the timing, and like I say, I couldn't really miss it. And so, yeah, it was great to see it. And obviously, scored my first goal at, at the with Dean um, in front of uh, the loyal fans that come and supported us down there. Um, yeah, it was obviously good, good moment. Um, one to sort of hard to, like Jasper, I'm sure, will tell you, scoring his first goal for, for Worthing, it's hard to sort of um, fit into words the amount of different emotions and feelings you go through. In- <laughs> Yeah, my first goal as well. I also got inside the fullback as well, so... There you go. Similar. There similar. You go. Yeah. <laughs> so Adam, who was the, who was the, best, the best manager you, you ever played for? Uh, best manager I played for was Steve Koppel, um, by a country mile, I think, in terms of just... he. I remember him dropping me, pulled me into his office, he dropped me, and um, I'm not thinking, I know what's coming, I was a young player. Uh, but I ended up leaving the office, you know, feeling like then um, Pele he just made you feel so good. And, um, you know, just had this, this way of, of speaking to you and, and making you um, play at your best and making you feel that you was a, a real top player. Um, I think that's a hard thing to do as a manager. And, um, yeah, something that... I could probably uh, do with learning from, really. Um, but, yeah, he was, he was top class. He, back, back then... What would you say uh, you learned from him, Adam? Is that where you get some of your style from? Yeah, I mean, the whole of the... Um, I used to sit up in the stands and observe like, the first half and just have a little look at the opposition, something that he used to do. Um, and, yeah, I probably, probably don't spend enough time with individual players um, and, you know have uh, hopefully you know try and step in at the right time and have little chats with the players but I'm probably saying I'm the better at is um, those individual little little chats um, but yeah he, he, he was excellent um, he was sort of back then would cut his own clips up and, and show us on a Friday of who would come up against um, so really in depth on the opposition and, and also clear on how we wanted to play and it's generally made you feel good um, so yeah, top. I think someone's just fallen over by the sound of it. <laughs> yeah. Stewie, you out in the garden at the minute? Just, just we're going back to get his second beer. <laughs> 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 uh, Brilliant. You, well, you mentioned you mentioned the, vid- the video clips there. Um, was that quite a new thing at the time, Adam? That was just sort of breaking its way into the game, or yeah, definitely. He he, well, like there's no analyst then. He sort of um, done it all himself. So he'd come in with this like video, put the old video like that's like a little thing that we used to have just yeah. uh, videos. Um, 
So we have like the video screen and and he put it in on on Friday. We trained down at the Withdean and put put the video in that he put together himself. And yeah, if like if he was a full back or he would show like the winger maybe dribbling with his his left foot, but then cutting and cross with his right, and just little bits of information like that that he'd give you. Um, I think were invaluable for for a young player. Um, so yeah, that's it stemmed from there, and it's something that I've tried to sort of implement. Uh, obviously, with Cam's unbelievable work that he can do now uh, with the video stuff, um, but we try and implement at Worthing as well. Yeah, I've seen. I've, I've sat in the bar a couple of times, and you've done the analysis in there. Yeah. I do find I find it absolutely captivating, to be honest, watching you. Um, so. Um, what made you decide that you wanted to become a football manager? Because it's um, an enviable job sometimes, isn't it? No, yeah. Um, well, I sort of um, obviously knew that you know, football sort of been in my blood. Um, I sort of travelled with uh, my father was manager at Whiteley for most of him and, and uh, watch all their games and go to their training sessions and, and stuff like that from a really young age. Um, so it's something that I'm obviously really keen on and I'd often talk to him even back then about, you know, formations and, and showed a showed an interest in it um, from an early age. And then obviously when I had to retire at 26, um, scratching about just doing any job, I was a gas man down the local uh, caravan site for a bit and um, me and my brother-in-law, Jamie Howe, who, who was uh, manager of a... Um, team up the road um, but he, he he sort of got made redundant and I sort of had to retire and we was thinking about selling cleaning products because um, one of his players was doing it and trying to get us into it and then we just both sort of looked at each other after coming out of a meeting in Portsmouth one day and said what we're we doing and um, decided to set up a football academy and and then really enjoyed being part of football again and coaching and yeah and a job um David Lee, the chairman at Selzy, um, gave me a job when I was 28 to become first team manager at Selzy. And it's something that I just really had a passion for and, and felt that, um, yeah, something that I, I could really get my teeth into and, and could be my career, uh, my next career step, really. Can someone shoot that badge for these? Yeah. Sorry? Can someone shoot that budget? <laughs> oh, yeah, it's annoying that bird, isn't it? This lockdown, Stuart, it's made you very vicious. He's yeah. always vicious. Do you not enjoy that? Very enjoy vicious. That, Stuart? It's all right, mate. Not enjoy that noise, no? Nah. Do my head. He's normally get, he's normally very, get his butler very, to go and shut it up. Very angry man. It's stupid. <laughs> what colour's the budgie? Uh, I, I don't know. It's just a random bird that we have in our garden making a noise. Extremely red when I find it. It's squat. There it goes. Stuart Evans. Sylvia <laughs> Products Sylvia Products says, I think it's a blue tit. But Stuart, it's Stuart she's talking about, or the bird. He's just, you know, needs a bird, doesn't he? Any part of bird. He'd never run. Oh fucking hell! I think on that bombshell, should we uh, should we have a little song? Should we have a musical interlude and come back? And we got a yeah. little competition to uh, let that give away. Just let that bird play in the background. Yeah, don't let the bird sing for a little bit. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, we'll be back with you in a bit, guys. <laughs>
That was Green Day, Know Your Enemy, uh, which is the SmackDown theme. It was a shame. Year, year ago. If, um, if Pete could just be quiet for a second. He's so rude, isn't he, guys? No, bloody Pete Vale. Thinks he's Mr. BBC now, but, you know, taking over. Anyway, um, we got a little giveaway, as I promised on um, Twitter this week. Um, a few weeks ago, I actually was at the Brighton game, the last game I unfortunately attended. Right, baby, me a second. Got a little uh, signature for um, a signature sheet of the squad that uh, Stuart's helped kindly help me fill out. So I've given one to Pete, one for myself, and one for Sam, as this is the first year of Rebel Yell Live, a nice little souvenir. And um, we've actually got one to give away um now sam you came up with the idea of how we could give this away like why don't you why don't you tell tell the listeners and tell certain someone on this phone call on this skype call what it might be well we did a couple of uh would you rather's uh, a few episodes ago and you said you'd rather be immortalized as a club statue jasp is that right oh yes so <laughs> the competition for you yes listeners and you can do this via instagram twitter facebook is draw Jasper as a statue outside Woodside Road. Send that into our socials and hashtag draw the wasp to win the competition prize. He's going to be immortalised. And Jas- Jasper will pick his favourite one in time for the next podcast. So you've got uh, two weeks, weeks to get those in. Right, Jas? Two weeks to get oh, them yeah, in. No. Jasper will be the judge. I'm an extremely good judge of art. Get a so. signed sheet. Signed sheet of uh, the squad. Um, I'm really not sure who's autographs, who Stu just gave it. He might have just done it himself. <laughs> it does look bloody good. <laughs> and it's a nice little souvenir. I can see Hinch's signature on there. I think that's the only one I can actually read. Um, if Hinch, you remember signing the piece of the paper. Well, I'll, I'll tell you if there's a genuine signature or not. Yeah, it's uh, I've, I've Finn Stevens, I can tell. and uh, Otherwise, I don't know. Stu. Stu's put Stu underneath. So we got Stu. Hey, hey, ladies, it's the first place you get Stu's all right. Anyway, after that, we have got Worthing. We've got Worthing's only unbeaten player and the guy that signed for us just before we um, ended up nulling and voiding the season, Dean Hammond. Hinch has made himself. And uh, Worthing FC newest player, Pete's got him on the line. So, uh, Dean, Dean, over to you and Pete. Good afternoon, Dean Hammond. How you doing, Pete? Are you okay? Yeah, I'm good, mate. Yourself? Yeah, very well, very well. Adapting to the new world, but I'm all right. How are you coping with the lockdown? It's different. Um, I've got three kids, so um, that's been uh, challenging. But no, it's it's, it's been all right. Um, it's strange we're not having football uh, in the world, especially. But um, it's been nice to spend some time with the family. So, yeah, adapting. But, you know, I can't wait for it all to be over, I must admit. Same as all of us. How, how are you do, doing that with the uh, homeschooling? <laughs> it's been, uh, well, I don't know how I've been doing. My wife's been doing well. Um, I've kind of been staying out of the way. Um, we've got three kids. Two of them are at school. My little one's not quite at school. So I've been teaching him to ride his bike. So that I've just been keeping it out of the way. That's been my, uh, that's been my role. So we were saying that, um, you know, you, you signed for us um, and you've been such an influence on the team that we're actually unbeaten since you signed. <laughs> I think it must be the shortest comeback ever, I think. Um, I've retired twice. I've come back again. I think I don't know if that's a sign. Someone saying that I shouldn't come back and play, but um, no, I don't know. It's um, yeah, like I said, I had a, a long time out of football, um, probably three years. Um, been in contact with Inch over that time, and um, first time probably I got the itch that I felt as though 
I wanted to maybe come back and, and see if I could play again, see if I could how the body would hold up. So um, unfortunately, it didn't happen. But I enjoyed I enjoyed a few weeks training with the players and um, being in, in football environment again. So we'll see what happens next year. Yeah. So obviously, um, we, we're hoping that you're going to when the pre-season starts that you're you'll still be coming to Worthing and having a kick around with the boys. Well, I hope so. I mean, that's down to the manager, I suppose. I mean, um, I'm still waiting for him to change his mind, if I'm honest. Um, but no, I, I'd, it'd, be, it'd be, like I say, it'd be nice to come back. It's um, it's a really good football club. Um, obviously, I know the manager well. I played with Hinch um, when we were Brighton together. Um, coming into the football club, it was, um, you know, the quality of the young players there, the way Hinch runs it, um, the ethics, the uh, team morale. It, it was brilliant, actually. And, and the young boys and made me feel really welcome so I really really enjoyed it and yeah hopefully if um, I can I can keep myself fit and my body's okay I'd, I'd love to come back next year. Yeah what do you think you can you know uh, bring to the party would it just be sort of your experience helping the youngsters? Or... Well I, I, look honestly I don't know it all depends how my body I'm not a young man anymore it's um, that's a real good quality in, in the squad and, and you know they've had a brilliant season top of the league uh, we're going to get promoted so didn't really need much help. Maybe just a, a different, um, a little bit of experience, um, um, a little bit of know-how, maybe just to pass some knowledge on, maybe just to be there in training, to um, just to just to give the younger boys a, a little bit of help. Whether I play or not, I don't know. That's that's down to the manager, whether I can get my fitness, my, myself fit enough. I think, I suppose, that's just questions that need answering. But it was nice to come back and it was nice to be... Um, football environment again especially at Worthing you know it's um it's a club that's doing some really good things um and I should yeah. be proud of that yeah absolutely absolutely agree with that now you say you say you know you're 37 years of age I wouldn't worry too much because a few weeks ago before the season finished Aaron Racine got skinned by somebody the whole length of the pitch and then he scored so I wouldn't worry too much hey. oh, I suppose uh, oh, he said that that too old, but I, I could imagine I could get skinned by a few players as well so I can't really say too much so I'm getting dogs abuse in my ear now <laughs> <laughs> Jesus so Obviously, you you played for a few clubs. Uh, you know, when you played with Adam and Southampton, you know, numerous numerous appearances. Um, what's your sort of standout moments in professional football? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I know that's why I do this job. <laughs> I would probably say um, I was, my ultimate ambition in my career from being a youngster was was to try to get to the top, was to try to get to the Premier League. So making my debut in the Premier League at Leicester was um, a big achievement for me and a good moment. But you, you can't beat promotions. I mean, the promotions at Southampton were great. Um, I didn't play I didn't play in the promotions at Brighton, but being around the group and experiencing it, that was good. Um, the promotion at Leicester. So um, in answer to your question, I'd probably have to say my Premier League debut but there was there was many moments in my career, and I was I was very lucky as a player to experience it. Okay, so you've you've played with Mr. Hinshelwood. Um, yeah. Any any funny stories you can tell us about Adam? <laughs> Did he? Oh, I don't know. I've got I don't know. I've got any funny stories about Adam. Um, more I can say, but um, all I can say is um, what a player. To be fair, um, brilliant defender. Um, 
fit as anything, one of the fittest and strongest players I've played with in my career. Um, obviously suffered with injuries, which is unfortunate um, for him. But, you know, he was in the England under-21 squad, played for them, um, was in the first team doing brilliantly. So, um, no, really, really good player and a really, really good, good guy as well. So, um, and yeah, one one person you didn't want to tackle in training as well because there's only, there only going to be one winner there. Hinch, was, Hinch loved the tackle. So, no, he's a good guy. Um, and, you know, he's doing brilliant in his management career now. So, um, it's great for him. Yeah, I was, say, I was just saying to him about cause Emotional. the 2004 season that, you know, he'd done the full season in the championship. And it surprised me he only picked up two yellow cards that season. <laughs> I think he must have been scaring or bribing a rest if he'd only got two yellow cards. Or, uh, <laughs> yeah, he does. Um, yeah, he, he was, Hinch was a aggressive all-round player. But, you know, he's, he's actually... He's, Technically very good, Hinch. Um, really, really good defender and um, quick and just unfortunate with the injuries, really, because I think he could have he could have played at the top, Hinch. And I'm not just saying that because he's a friend and um, he's the manager and I, I know he's on the other line, but um, no, he's a really good player, Hinch. Excellent. So, um, apart from Hinchwood, best three players you've ever played with in your, in your career? Oh, cool. I'd have to say... Um, Adam Lalana, obviously. Oh yeah. Um, when, I was a, when I was a Southampton, fantastic player, technically brilliant, both feet, um, worked really hard his game. Um, Jamie Vardy, um, just quick as anything, direct, really good finisher, um, and fearless, really, um, really fearless player. Wouldn't say, uh, wasn't scared of anything. Um, and then, oh, difficult. I'd have to say. You can say Adam. Yeah, well, I've said, you said you said I couldn't say Ad, so I'll add, add obviously, but three players apart from him. Um, I'd have to say probably Esteban Cambiasso when he was at Leicester for that season, oh. um, just because of his his experience um, wasn't the quickest, um, but his vision um, and knowledge of the game was fantastic, and I learned a lot off him. So I'd have to say Esteban. Okay, what was, what was the favourite club you played play for? <laughs> well, I can't say Worthing, can I? Because I never played for my train. Um, <laughs> I'd have to say, I had my, 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 my most successful time at Southampton, so I'd probably have to say Southampton, even though I'm a Sussex lad, so Brighton, you know, I love the club and support the club and still watch some of their games, but no, probably Southampton, I'd have to say, just because it's kind of set up my career and give me the real platform to push on to get to get where I wanted to. Excellent. And the best manager you played for? Um wow, well, good question. Um I probably said the best manager I played for was Nigel Pearson I'd probably say at Leicester. Um but I obviously enjoyed working under Nigel Atkins and Gus Poyet was good as well and Dean Wilkins was actually really, really good. Um, I really enjoyed playing under Dean Wilkins. He's, um, he was doing good things at Brighton um, before he left. Um, really, really diligent in his training methods and um, his detail to games. Um, so there's a long list of managers, but I'd probably have to say just Pitts and Nigel Pitts. Excellent. Yeah, it was um, a shock to me because it was, it was that season, wasn't it, at Leicester, before the Championship season, where uh, you went... went you, 
relegation zone when it's sort of 10 games unbeaten, you know, um, won most of them, saved yourself some relegation. And then the next season, Peterson got sacked. And then the next season, they go and win the championship. And it was, well, premiership. Um, and you're like, well, Pierce, it was Pearson's team. He could have probably done that with that squad. Uh, you could say that, yeah. He had a big, he had a big um, say in it. Obviously, the season before, when or two seasons before, where we got right from the championship to the Premier League and then stayed up in the Premier League. That, um, yeah, it was a lot of players that um, he was involved with getting in the club and training and developing. So yeah, he had a big say in that. But Claudio Ranieri was was a good manager as well. And um, the best thing or best decision he ever made was when he came in, he didn't change too much. He wanted to, um, but I think he saw the way we finished the season before that he just thought, okay, they've got some success here um, and I'll go with it. So that was the best decision he ever made. But yeah, Nigel has a big say in that success. Yes, so, <coughs> excuse me, I'm <coughs> choking to death here. You're all right, Pete. <laughs> You're all right, Pete. <laughs> it's, all okay, it's all right. <laughs> so, COVID. <laughs> COVID. <laughs> Getting dogs in No, I'm not. It's it's like, it's, just, it's it's it's, it's, the other, it's the other chaps in the ear giving me abuse. That's all. <laughs> Calling me the coach. No change. And all sorts. So, um, I think I've, I think I've covered most of the stuff with you, Dean. That I wanted to ask you. I'm just gonna. Any any of you other guys got any questions? No, I just literally can't wait to see him playing in a Worthing shirt next season. Yeah, please, yeah just, please, just please saying, literally, the can't wait to see you in a Worthing shirt and keep keep yourself fit and ready to go next year. Yeah, just echoing the thoughts. Well, Thanks for the interview. So I can train as much as I want in a minute, so <laughs> Yeah, so Dean, thanks ever so much for doing this for us, mate. It's great to get an insight and have a chat. And hopefully we'll see you in the not too distant future. My pleasure, no problem. All right, cheers. Keeps, cheers, cheers, Dean. Mate. Take care. Cheers. Bye-bye. Bye. Brilliant. Dean Hammond, thank you very much for that. We're going to have one more musical interlude and then we will go finish off the podcast with some of Sam's Would You Rathers. That was Papa Roach, To Be Loved, um, one of the um, raw themes. And that was the last wrestling theme of the night. Um, thank you so much to uh, Dean Hammond for coming in there and speaking to Pete live on the air. It was uh, really great to see him. As we can all say, we really hope we can see him in a world shirt next season. Lads, what what was it been like, just the little few training sessions you had with Dean? Did, uh, was it great to have him on involved? Yeah, I think straight away, as soon as he... Even this is presence. He hasn't got come to the training pitch. His presence is there. You know, he's got that experience, and he just naturally sort of brings more out of everyone. So even just even just his appearance there just generally helps. Yeah, I echo what as I said, obviously, because of what he's achieved in his career, and having that sort of person around <clears throat> around the ground, especially for players like me, the younger the younger lot, it's good because it's someone who can give a lot of advice. And maybe things that he's done in his career, which he either thinks he could have done better or things that worked for him. He can pass on that sort of advice to us and help us to get to, hopefully, who knows, the sort of prestigious career that he had. And Hinch, how about you as a sort of like, you know, a friend and obviously the gaffer who's brought him in? Like, uh, what's it been like having him around the squad before we all got locked down? 
yeah, uh, great, great character, like I say. Um, and yeah, I think the first sort of session he had, these sort of a few sort of straight passes went, and you could see him, you know, getting annoyed with himself because he sets high standards um, of himself. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm pleased that he's enjoyed it, and just hearing his comments there, he, he seems to have enjoyed the sessions and, and stuff like that, and, and seems well on board to sort of um, help us out again next year. So. Yeah, he's a he's a big sort of character, and um, you know when you have got a majority of a young squad to have that kind of experience um, within it is is massive, and he's a good 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 character. And when I when I got the message from him, it was just completely out of the blue to be honest. Um, I think it was just before the Kingstonians game, um, and obviously yeah, it would have been a welcome boost for the for the remaining games if they was to go ahead. Oh, fantastic. It's, it's, uh, we, we, I for one, and I know I speak for the other guys, the fans on this phone call, and many of the away boys and Worthing fans, we are excited at the prospect of seeing him in a Worthing shirt. Um, final part of the show now, guys. We've we kept you for a couple of hours here on this Saturday. Hope you have enjoyed it. But Sam, if you have listened before, has been very good at compiling some would you rathers, and it's quite a little fun way to sort of see another side to the squad and, you know, ourselves and end, end, the, end, end the podcast and broadcast on a high. So, Hint, have you heard these before? No, this is new to me, this. Right. That would be better. So you're going to be, uh, you're going to be right on tenter hooks now. While Sam, oh, is no. so, uh, Sam, Sam, it's all over to you, mate. Right. So in your house, would you rather questions? There isn't as many as normal broadcasts for this week, but we will start off with you as normal, James. So, would you rather a five-a-side pitch in your garden or a dedicated World Cup memorabilia room? Oh, God, both the things would really, really annoy my wife. So I don't really know what I'd get away with, to be honest. Uh, <laughs> I, I kind of bought, stupidly enough, I bought, when England were doing really well in the last World Cup, I bought a replica World Cup trophy and it came the day we got kicked out. So I kind of semi got a World Cup memorabilia <laughs> room and it's just sitting on my shelf looking gathering dust right now and what ifs sort of many things right now. So I guess the memorabilia room, because then uh, Vicky can uh, chuck me in and lock me away, to be fair. There's been some pretty good efforts on Twitter of people building their kids' five-a-side pitches and stuff. That hasn't tempted you yet, Adam? You haven't tried that in your garden? Um, no, I'm off five-year-old and I've got 15-year-old smashing the hell out of the fence. And uh, you know, I, I live in a bungalow. When we go up for like, the clap at the NHS, honestly, I must be 25 years younger than every single person that lives on the street. So I think they're doing a campaign to get rid of us because um, we're too young and making too much noise. So, um, five a side pitch, as long as it adds some netting, it would go down well, to be fair. You'll have to like build some kind of dome surrounding oh, the, the garden. I've got to do something because they are losing their shit with me around here. <laughs> <laughs> um, Spence, you're still there? Yeah, I'm still here. Okay, so would you rather build a house from scratch so you get to decorate it all yourself or buy a brand new flashy one with all these stuff already in it? Oh, I like the idea of if building from scratch and you can have what you want. You can have that five-a-side pitch and you can have a World Cup memorabilia room. There you go. Sorted. Problem solved. Easy one for you. <laughs> Jasper. And James, James would be well jealous. Jasper, I would, mate. I really would. Would you rather have really slow internet or poor phone signal? Oh, god! Poor phone signal. Because to be honest, I don't, I don't really call anyone or text anyone. To be honest, on my on my phone anyway, it's all done 
online or something that needs connection. So to be perfectly honest with you, especially in this situation, if I had poor internet, my family would know about it. I don't think many of us could live without Wi-Fi at the moment. No. So that's a, a solid choice. Yeah. 18 year, 18 year olds and poor Wi-Fi don't get together, do they? <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> Pete, Pete Vale and Paul Wife, I don't go together either. <laughs> I'll, I'll let you judge. I'll let you this judge. is going down a dangerous path. Move on. Yeah, it's going down a dirt track now. It <laughs> we'll quickly move on. It always happens in the Would You Rathers. Right, Stu, um, would you rather have a, a self-cleaning bathroom so you'd never have to clean the bathroom again or a self-cleaning kitchen? <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, I hate doing the dishes, so it would have to be the kitchen for me. Uh, uh yeah kitchen i guess cool. yeah no reason why yeah just kitchen i guess <laughs> all right pete we know how much you love yeah, yeah no worries. i don't know what to say what, what am i supposed to say to that moving on to to pete's question obviously you love nottingham forest um would you that rather a life-size well here here comes a question would you rather a life-size cut out of brian clough or a life-size cut out of adam hinchwood <laughs> <laughs> good question adam yes yeah we can erase that pete that one can, we, yeah, can we get it out <laughs> if, if anyone from from pet the printers is listening um, can we print out Adam Hinchwood life-size cutouts for the for the merchandise? Oh, mate, you know how we were looking for extra funds for the support association? We got it right there. <laughs> That'd be really, really wide cutouts cut out, out, wouldn't it? That'd be very wide that cutout. Oh, oh. 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 said that? Is that Jasper? The stew. Jesus. Oh, wow. Stu, he's getting sacked in the morning, isn't he? So Adam, I know you like um, reading your books. Obviously, you do a lot of yeah. reading on the, on the coaches and stuff. Would you rather a home library, so you get like any book in the world, or a home gym with state-of-the-art equipment? Oh, well, going on Stu's comment. Um, yeah. You're savage today, mate. <laughs> De- def- definitely the library. I've obviously, always, uh, always quite wanted one, to be fair. Stu, were there not any, any Lenore left? Book collections coming along nicely, actually. So yeah, like a little library. What What are you reading at the moment? Old Butler's walked out on him. I uh, just got this new Bielsa book at the moment. Brushing up on the tactics, like it. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, got to be done. Excellent. You're going to be sitting there with a coffee next season with uh, sitting yeah. on the juice bin. Yeah, he left. He left. to bring over one of those little things he sits on. Typical wait for Stu to help him out. Yeah, same old, same old. <laughs> right. He left Stu a pair of binoculars spying on the opposition. We've got two questions left. Um, the next one's for, for Reese. So, Reese, I know obviously you in the squad, you're into your fashion. So, would you rather a wardrobe full of casual clothes or a wardrobe full of smart clothes? Uh tough one because I do a lot of lounging around um, but I think I'd have to go for smart clothes I do like to uh, have a dress up on the weekend so I think I'm going to have to go smart clothes yeah nice pair of check trousers nice yeah, shirt yeah you know the ones little yeah. shirt trousers <laughs> maybe a little what's that as? what do you do at weekends? Uh, I like to take <laughs> the missus out you see oh nice yeah yeah you know it's, it's a little smart number for me <laughs> 
The final question of this episode in the Would You Rather's goes to Aaron. Aaron, would you rather have Mr. Bean as your neighbour or live on Sesame Street? Neighbour. <laughs> 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 it would be top quality entertainment. That would be good. You've got to move those Road. Fantastic. That grouch living in a wheelie bin. (laughs) There was um, there was also a question I got sent that was unrelated to the Would You Rather's. There's another question for Aaron. Um, If you could partner any centre back in the world, who would you play with at centre back? Partner any centre back. Uh, Van Dyke. Okay. You shouldn't. Man. I'm not listening to Dean's comments as. But then I'll get dropped next season. Sorry, on that point, Aaron. Yeah. Yeah. Um, do, do you think it's going to, you know, obviously you, you come back from a long term injury. Do you think getting a whole pre season in is going to be when we can? Is you know you're going to come back bigger, stronger, better. Hopefully, won't come back bigger. But <laughs> yeah, I'm going to come back bigger, mate. <laughs> yeah, I think, I think three seasons, especially up when you've been injured, you come back um, to the squad during the season is hard. I think three seasons generally lays the foundation for the season ahead. So I think it's one of the most important things you can do for before a football season. Excellent. What's, Azza, what's your diet been like over the last month? You are the off-season, pal. So you've got to enjoy yeah, it. What have you had for What have you had for food today? What have you eaten today, mate? What's that? With salad baguette. I've got fish and chips for dinner. A couple of beers. That'll do. He's really coming for a blue white diet, isn't he? Yeah, Stu, <laughs> you need to simmer down. You've been so vicious today. Dude, you're not being started on Tinder recently. Guys, that budgie really got to me. Just sit in there. I think I I think as we say, I think we need to stop uh, stop this very soon before it goes down the dirt track as it always does at the end of the podcast and Sam Sam sets it off with his would you rather's. Um, but guys, uh, again, another fantastic uh, live broadcast. So thank you, thank you for joining in, Aaron and Reese. Thank you for coming on. Welcome back anytime. I hope I hope you've enjoyed yourselves. Uh, we've had a good laugh. Um, had some fantastic uh, list of figures today, guys. So thank you very much. It will be available as a podcast. Um, any final thoughts, guys? Any last words you'd like to say? Go around the room. So Spence, anything from yourself, mate? Yeah, just uh, keep safe, everyone, and uh, can't wait for the football to start again. Mr. Vicious, <laughs> yeah. If you see a budgie, you shoot it down. Uh, no, I'm literally... <laughs> oh, no, okay, you should have asked. Apparently, Stuart, um, it's according to one of our listeners, it sounded like a blue tit. Oh, uh, yeah, all the same. Oh, they were just calling the... Stuart a blue tit. It's been a while. It's been a while since Stu's seen some blues hits, and it's shit. And is that is that Jasper? So Jasper, anything I find? Yeah, no. Nah, just everyone keep your eyes peeled for a flipping vicious washerwoman. It's yeah, dangerous. And, uh, make sure they give you some nice little drawings of you uh, yeah. as the wasp outside the ground. Yeah, get your watercolors out. Uh, and Jasper will be selling body shop samples at the back of his car next weekend. Uh, <laughs> <down the street laughs> 
I'm only joking before we get started. Um, <laughs> My dad listened to Aaron this. Reese, anything from you guys? Uh, um, I hope, um, still no, right. Oh, you're taking this as, are you? I was just going to say, I hope Stu gets some matches on Tinder soon so he stops being so vicious. <laughs> <laughs> I think, I think you get on Hinge. There's a new one. There's a new one for you, Stu. There. What's that, mate? If you get off Tinder and get on Hinge, pal, there's a new one for you. you might have a bit more luck. I'll, I'll give you a call in a bit, mate. Have a chat. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Adam, how about yourself, mate? Anything from you? No, that's fine. Dude, keep up the good work. You're doing a good job. This obviously. Uh, so everyone interactive and stuff so yeah thanks for you giving up your time and and the good job that you're doing running this podcast and that so well oh, done we all around it, mate we love doing it for you guys uh, can you please send us a picture of you dressed up as john cena because i put one oh, on yeah. the screenshot that I've was just kept it on the whole time my shits keep looking at me oh, as if to say what the we, hell are you wearing see, we need some investment <laughs> we could do it as a live broadcast but you know uh, uh we can't do broadcast a video unfortunately it would be great because uh, the fans would love to see that but uh you look after yourself sam and pete anything from you guys yeah, if I can say uh, thank you for Ali Bayliss for sparing me his time. Uh, I know he's a busy man with his BBC journalism. Um, so thank him for his time. Thank Dean Good Hammond luck. today for his time. Um, Adam, as always, um, you always give every every time I've asked you if you're doing an interview, you, you're always willing to do it. Um, so a huge thank you to you as well. Uh, no problem. Pleasure. Yeah, final thing for me, really. Again, a massive thanks to everyone for sort of jo joining in. Um, there will be another one in two weeks' time, so keep, keep an eye out for that as well. And on a serious note, obviously look out for club announcements on fundraising within the next seven to ten days. Um, we can all do this together if we achieve the final amount, which was around 40000 I think Barry was saying. Yeah. Um, so, so any ideas you can send into the club, anything you can send to us at the Supporters Association, Rebel Yell, please do that. Um, maybe if some of you would like to shave your hair like Pete and earn a bit of money for us. Stop playing hazardous weights for start. Can we like, cover it? Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, I believe as well that the club are going to put some kind of crowdfunder out at some point. So look out for that as well. Yeah, and nice. thanks to Barry for coming on and actually uh, sort of saying Barry as well. what's happening. Um, yeah, it's been great to hear it. It's given us a lot of hope and you know for the future. Um, fanzines are still available. Uh, issue four. Please donate to PayPal. PayPal.me forward slash Rebel Yell WFC and Sam will post it out to you. Um, just stay at home, guys. Uh, protect the NHS and save lives and look after yourselves. We've really enjoyed this. We'll see you again in a couple of weeks. And I'm now going to play the song that Sam hates me singing on the terraces. Bump up by Endor to leave it because we will be singing it next season, I promise. Chaps, thanks very much for today and we'll speak soon. Thank you, take care. Cheers, guys. Guys, once again, thanks for listening to Rebel Yell in your house, locked out the podcast this week. Really enjoyed doing it. Just remember, if you want to purchase one of the fanzines, it's still available for £3.50. Sam will post out to you. Just go to paypal.me forward slash Rebel Yell WFC. Stay safe. Take care, guys. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. 
Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc.